Welcome to Humans of CX, a podcast powered by OzoneTel. We share the latest insights in customer experience from industry experts to help you humanize your approach, placing empathy at the center of the customer experience. I'm your host, Todd Vecca. Hello and welcome everyone to Humans of CX. I'm your host, Todd Vecca. And today I am super excited to be joined by Mike Aoki, president of Reflective Keynotes, 2021 ICMI Top 25 Thought Leader, author, speaker, a whole bunch of other things we're going to get to. Mike, how are you doing today? Good, Todd. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thank you. Would you mind just telling the viewers a little bit about yourself and your background? Oh, sure. Okay. Well, I'm based out of Toronto, Canada. And my own background is in terms of beginning the contact center industry, actually really early in my career. Began as a contact center agent and went from there as far as being acting supervisor, later a trainer, manager of training for contact centers. And then on my own in terms of being independent consultant and trainer and speaker and writers you mentioned for the for the past 20 years, actually 21 years as of last April. So it's a very interesting background. I've seen a lot of changes in our industry as well. Yeah, absolutely. So today we're going to be talking about inbound upselling and some other things related to CX and the employee experience. Can you tell us about Reflective Keynotes, please? Oh, sure, Todd. So my company really focuses on the training side of the business. So really focused on helping, especially the frontline agents and frontline supervisors, the team leader level, be able to be more effective in terms of offering a really wonderful customer experience. And in terms of agent training, really focused on phone skills and also chat and email skills, but really focused in terms of that customer experience, that moment of truth when the customer is there. And then for the team leads, because they have a lot of responsibilities put on them, just being able to help reinforce that. And I do focus typically on small to mid-sized contact centers, so 20 to 200 seats. So really focused on that because they're so numerous and a lot of them need help. So really focused on that. Absolutely. Now, this might seem obvious to folks that do this every day, but when you talk about a great customer experience, How important is it for the employees to have the tools that they need so that they have a great employee experience for that trickle-down positive effect to happen? It is critical. We talk about customer experience. It really is. That's when we look at this. I think it's just as a whole, basically as a holistic sort of system in the sense that there are a lot of moving parts that are there. And one of the biggest misconceptions is that customer experience is solely the contact center or solely the customer service department. It's not. Customer experience is every experience your customer has with your organization. So all the way from the ads that are run, the social media presence, the actual physical product, if you produce one or the service that takes place. If you have stores, that's part of your customer experience. All the way through the contact center, the customer service team, it's a small part of it. So it's really important to distinguish that. And you are right, by the way, employee experience is crucial. If your agents are engaged, they'll actually show and how they treat their customers. If they're not, all the systems in the world aren't going to help. Okay, if your employee employees aren't engaged, they're quiet quitting behind the scenes, it'll come across in the phone calls and chats and emails. That's interesting. Quiet quitting comes up on almost every episode that we've done so far. The converse of that, you're on the training side. How do you see that directly affect businesses when employees aren't trained, when they don't have the tools that they need? And then the attrition is just obviously a pretty key stat in the space that we're in. Well, it is. You look at most contact centers, in-house contact centers, where it's it's their own employees, they typically average around 30% annual turnover. And while some of that's internal, people move up to team lead level, move on to other departments, That which is good attrition, by the way. A lot of it is negative attrition. People leave because they just don't want to work in a bad contact center or they quiet quit. They do the minimum. And again, it shows in the customer experience that that, that happens with this. And of course, outsourced contact centers, BPOs, typically, they can average anywhere from 100% or more annual turnover. So it's a huge cost. 
And it's interesting too, because again, being in this industry, it's interesting how we view that as being acceptable or common statistics. Meanwhile, if you said to any other department, a sales team, an IT team, an HR team, you're going to lose 30 to 100% of your employees every year, their minds would be blown by that. They couldn't understand that at all. So it's really a very interesting thing. And so part of this is, as you said, equipping your agents with the right tools. And one of my beliefs is that you can be a wonderful person, have a great personality, want to help people. And if you have a bad computer system, terrible inventory tracking, all the tools aren't there for you. You can't find customer information. The knowledge base is a mess. You can be the nicest person in the world, want to help the most. And as an agent, be totally frustrated by it. In fact, the ones that care, the agents that care the most are the first ones to get frustrated by bad tools because it gets in the way of helping and they quiet quit or they full out quit and you lose them. 100%. A huge expense and a lot of wasted time when good employees leave bad companies. Let's switch gears for a minute. I just got back from ICMI a couple of weeks ago. What does the ICMI award mean to you personally? It means a lot in the sense that this basically is my peer group of people that I follow, that I watch, that I read an awful lot of as well. I've shared platforms with many of them on different panel interviews and things like that as well. So it's a great honor to be included amongst that. And I do try to go and share information as well and help the industry move forward. And, you know, it's been seven years in a row that I've been part of one on the ICMI top 25 or top 50 list earlier. So it's just a really great honor. And it's really great to go and have a chance. And I'm really sad that I missed the last ICMI conference. I just couldn't make it with other client commitments. Absolutely. So tell the audience, what does it take to be a great CX retention expert? I think a lot of it is just, again, taking that holistic view, looking in terms of what are the causes of customer turnover and then what can be controlled by the contact center. And again, I focus on that subset, customer experience being the whole experience. And I focus on the subset, which is the contact center or customer service team. It really is understanding what are some of those key drivers. And I think one of the biggest things there is just learning in terms of, and again, having grown through an organization as an agent and supervisor, manager, et cetera, it's just really being able to look at that from a holistic viewpoint, but also understand the nitty gritty boots on the ground part, which is getting yelled at by customers. And I've had that happen too. And I was obviously in customer service taking calls. And so part of this is just really understanding that and you know what the customer's mindset is. And I know that we talk a lot about empathy, acknowledgement, being able to help make that customer feel better. And one of my biggest beliefs is you want to fix the problem so whatever issue the customer called in about, you've also got to fix the relationship. And there's two aspects there. And I think that gets lost sometimes. People focus so much, both at the agent level and also within the customer service department about fixing problems. They forget about fixing the relationship. How does your customer feel after the end of that call? Do they feel supported? Do they want to come back? Do they want to buy more? Okay, how do they feel? What do they tell their friends, et cetera? And you can use things like you know net promoter scores, CSAT scores, et cetera, to try to gauge that. But it has to be an intention in there to fix the relationship as well as fix the problem. Now, it's a great segue to my next question. Is it true that you said, and this may not be a perfect quote, but you love handling irate customers? I think I really do feel that way because your irate customers are the moment of truth. One of my favorite sayings is that you don't know how good an organization or provider is until you have a problem. And think about it this way, when you and I have been customers, right, you can pay your monthly phone bill, pay your monthly internet bill, but you really don't know how good they are to have a problem and actually call them and see how they resolve it. That's the moment of truth. So for that irate, that's a decision point, their pivot point now. Do you help them? Do you fix the problem and fix the relationship? And they continue being a great customer. In fact, even better probably because they really believe now that you're there for them. Or do you botch it? And then you lose that customer, they badmouth you on social media, word gets around, et cetera. So that's one of the reasons why I really view that as being a really key element. I wouldn't say I love it. I, don't yell, I didn't love getting yelled at, but obviously it is a moment of truth there that you want to try to fix. And it's also a challenge as well. And the thing is, with, we talked a little bit, I know about AI chatbots, things like that, but 
with self-serve, AI chatbots, AI virtual agents, et cetera, kind of skimming off a lot of the more straightforward calls. What ends up being left now, much higher percentage of calls versus five or 10 years ago, are those challenging calls. And you don't want like every call to be an irate, but the thing is that the skills have to be upgraded. Agents have to have better skills to be able to handle that. And again, it's not just being a nice person. They're deliberate things you can say and do to help really de-escalate those situations and provide that support. Sure. So we kind of come to the heart of what we wanted to talk about today, but that kind of leads me to some upselling techniques. Any tips or tricks for our audience on either when you have a happy customer just calling to ask a question or you do have an angry or irate customer, how do you train those agents to upsell and maybe use that as an opportunity to say, hey, did you know about, et cetera? Right. Okay. That's a really important point as well. The biggest thing I'd say is whatever upsell attempt that you make, it's got to have value to your customer. It's got to be something that will actually help your customer. Nothing will annoy a customer happy or irate faster than pitching something. And it seems like a sales pitch that has no relation at all to what they do or what they need. And so the whole key about this is you want to find out what is a logical upsell. At the agent level, you can actually look through the account to be able to see what their past history is. If they typically tend to go and use a lot of something and there's a better package for that, say for your phone, using a lot of different services, you can actually be able to help upsell that. And you can frame it from the perspective of, you know, Todd, I noticed for the last six months, you actually use double your normal data plan with that. And if you're going to continue doing that in the future, we have a plan that will actually save you money in the long run if you're going to maintain that kind of usage. How does that sound? We'd like to hear more about that. Okay. So again, it's got to have value. Yeah. All right. The worst mistake I find contact centers and marketing teams make is they set an art, they have a product. And then they set an arbitrary target to that. So as an agent, it's like, you better sell 50 of these a month. We won't show you how. We'll tell you what the benefit of the product is, but not relate to any other product. You have to go pitch it then. And that's when you have agents that actually force it on every call. Okay. So Todd, did you happen to hear about something completely unrelated to what we just talked about that I have no clue if you used before or not, but I'm supposed to tell you about it. Okay. That's when your MPS scores drop because customers can sense a sales pitch a mile away and there's no meaning for them. So number one thing is it's got to have meaning. It's got to relate back to their buying or usage patterns in some way. Yeah, I have an example. So I was upset at my cable company for a number of reasons. And the first thing that they went to is, hey, have you seen the new Game of Thrones on, on HBO Max? I'm like, <laughs> not the time. You saw, I know it's not you. You sound like a nice person, but this is not the time. Get me to the next step, please. Exactly. You touched upon chatbots a little bit. So chatbots, obviously, they could be great CS tools. They could be not so great, depending on how they're implemented. How have they changed the game, however, whether good or bad? Well, you know, and I think there is a lot of good in them, okay? And one of the things they've changed the game is because they really enhance self-service. So for people that want self-service, and typically in terms of different surveys, Gen Zs, millennials, they want self-service, okay? Typically, again, not to stereotype, but typically the, the people that call in the most are usually in older age groups. Boomers, Gen Xers like myself tend to reach for the phone a lot more. So again, I think chatbots have done a really great job as far as if they're well-designed, being able to go and skim off the easier, more transactional kinds of, or informational kinds of exchanges. So it's great. I can log into a website, click on the chatbot, be able to go and get a quick answer to something, be directed to basically a great knowledge base article or a great tip and have that come out. And I don't have to go and wait in a long phone queue to get a live operator to explain what I'm doing. So I think it's been really good for that. I think the challenge is twofold. One is that because it's skimming off the easy calls, again, as I mentioned earlier, when somebody actually calls and gets a live rep, the, the complexity of that particular inquiry is probably a lot higher because the easy questions got answered. But the second place where it poses a challenge for the contact center is if somebody is using a chatbot and they can't get the answer that they want to. And then the chatbot says, I'll transfer you to a live person, a live agent, okay? Or the customer gets frustrated and just clicks clicks off that window and then picks up the phone. 
the agent's dealing with somebody now that's already tried to solve a problem on their own. They've looked at the website, possibly used a chatbot. Okay, now they're getting they've called in, heard a long IVR message. Now they're finally talking to a live person. It's their third or fourth attempt now to solve a problem. And they're upset. They're frustrated. Okay. And so that's posed a bit of a challenge there. Now, I think as chatbots get more sophisticated, the algorithms behind them get more sophisticated, they can take on a bit more. Okay, with that. But right now, sometimes it's driving badly designed AIs, I want to mention, are driving a lot of inadvertent traffic to the call center and creating issues where customers are getting unnecessarily frustrated. And then live agents have to deal with that over the phone or, or via live chat, but with uh, human to human contact. Yeah. Now you've touched upon a lot of these you know, examples already indirectly, but if you had to pick one, maybe the most significant challenge in the space that you're in, what would it be? And how do we maybe go about fixing that? It doesn't have to be technology. It could be process, could be people, anything that you're seeing day to day. I think they're related to each other, but the two biggest things are rising customer expectations, that customers really want excellent service, which I don't blame them for. I want that too when I'm a customer. But I think the expectations have gotten higher now. They expect that when they use any interaction with a company, chatbot, telephone, whatever it is, email, some people still do that, website, social media, that they'll get excellent customer service. And the demands are greater with that. And I think one of the challenges is the fact that partly the technology is still trying to catch up to that. Also on the human side, though, I think one of the challenges there is, and again, typically phone is still a very active channel. And I know there are predictions you know, a few years ago that phone would really diminish based upon all the written AI chatbots, et cetera. But phone typically is still in most contacts, there's half or more of the contacts. And it's usually the tougher half, the more difficult half of the contacts. Okay, the more complex issues that somebody can't figure out how to type into a chat window or can't put into words on a page for an email. Or when they're really frustrated, don't want to bother with any of that, they want a human, okay, an actual person to talk to. So I think the demands are getting a lot higher on that. The funny challenge with that, though, is the fact that phone skills themselves, and my son's 12 years old, and he loves texting on his phone, okay? So he'll text his friends and text us to his parents sometimes. He doesn't use the phone as a phone. I mean, the phone is a media player. It's a texting tool. It's not an actual telephone. And so one of the challenges that takes place is, and I found this in terms of the training that I do, which is very phone-based, and thankfully there's a lot of demand for that because a lot of Gen Zs, they're very text-based, great with live chat, not as comfortable over the phone though. And phones, because we would take for granted in our generation, they're not as familiar with. And so I find that it's a big challenge because on the one hand, you're driving more difficult calls to the phone, to the phone queue and people answering the phone queue, Gen Zs and younger millennials typically aren't as comfortable or as skilled at being able to handle those. And so there's kind of a little mismatch there. And, and training can address that. Technology can address that. But I think that's one of the biggest challenges going forward for the next few years is being able to really match the skills with the demand or with the need. My daughters tell me all the time, you don't have to leave a voicemail. We know it's you. We, we can see. <laughs> My son won't even check voicemail. There's no point. Yeah. <laughs> We're living in a hopefully post-pandemic world now. What are some of those changes or adjustments maybe you've seen in this business from 2019, 20 to where we are now? And have we adjusted well or is there still some work to do? Now that we're mostly remote. Okay. Well, I think being mostly remote, hybrid or fully work from home is still one of the biggest challenges. And, you know, on the agent level, there's been a lot of progress there as far as supporting technical systems. I think one of the biggest challenges left, though, is at the team lead level, in the sense that I do find that a lot of at the team leadership level, a lot of people are being squeezed between the expectation of supporting their agents remotely and having to go and check in with them and provide that support, but not necessarily having the training to go and do it. And there's a big belief that I have, which is now with fully remote, even with hybrid, your team leader really is the lifeline that your agents have to the company. 
I mean, think about it this way. For agents, they spend 80, 90% of their time talking to people, customers outside of the company, right? They spend a bit of time in, in a virtual team meeting or doing a virtual coaching session with their team leader and hopefully getting support as well, the chat queue or the occasional Zoom meetings, things like that, but not as much. And so for a lot of agents, especially ones that have been hired remotely, that are fully remote, work from home, et cetera, again, that team leader is their lifeline. And it might be their only exposure to the company. They probably don't talk that much to a director or a VP or other departments. So it's really the team lead and their senior manager that they interact a lot with. And so I think a lot of more focus has to be paid to go and help train team leaders on employee engagement skills and being able to help build those relationships with their employees and support them. Five years ago, the team leader level was about coaching skills, monitoring things like schedule adherence, for instance, being able to go and do a little bit of team meetings or coaching or reinforcement. But now this is whole added element of employee engagement and employee retention there that I think a lot of team leads just haven't been trained on. It's not their fault. They just haven't been trained on that. And I think it's important for directors and VPs to recognize that's now got to be a part of your team lead skill set and team lead onboarding is employee engagement, employee retention, remote communication. Yeah. I'm going to ask you to take the crystal ball out for a minute. Where do you see the industry and specifically as it relates to what you do over the next 10 years, where do you see this going? Are we the same as we talk 10 years from now? Are we the same or what's gotten better? What's maybe unfortunately gotten worse 10 years from now? I think one of the things is in terms of technology that as artificial intelligence evolves, it'll really help in terms of chatbots, virtual agents, background support to really be able to help improve that. So I think that'll help tremendously to go and cope with higher volumes, with higher demand. On the flip side of it, I think that agent skill sets will have to rise dramatically because, again, the more easy calls that AI skims off, the more that agents need to go and have that higher level skill set. And so this whole idea, which I think is already outmoded about customer service being an entry level job, will just go out the window. It should already be out the window now, quite frankly, but definitely 10 years from now, it'll be out the window. Because the agents that are there and what they have to handle when someone's when someone actually comes through over voice or comes through over live chat, but not a chatbot, but to a live agent, the skill set's going to have to be so much higher. And I think even now with what we're asking agents to go and do, to have emotional intelligence, technical capability, to be self-managed working from home now or hybrid mostly from home, it's a really higher level skill set. It's not an entry level job at all. And definitely 10 years from now, it won't be. It'll be a much higher paid, higher skilled role. The key is though, is the training being done? And I am biased because I don't own the training industry, but is the training being done to support it? Is the structure there to support it? Are the tools there to support it? And that's going to have to go and take place. All right. Let's put the crystal ball away and let's bring out the time machine now. <laughs> okay. Mike, what advice would you give your 18-year-old self if you were just starting maybe your first job or coming in, into this world after college? What would you tell yourself? That's a really good question. I think for myself, it would really be in terms of I'm going to date myself here a little bit, but I think just being really more focused on the impact of technology and how it's going to impact the world, but also later the contact center space as well in terms of doing that. But also the idea too that to have that balance between people skills and the technology, which I think gets lost sometimes in terms of looking at this. And again, the contact center is both a people business and also there's technology and a lot of numbers involved in that as well with KPIs. So having a good balance of that, I think. I agree. And every time a guest says that, it's a good question and intern gets their wings. So we appreciate that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so we've been taking this imaginary CXCS party bus all around the world with all the guests that we've talked to. And so my question for you is you get to drive this party bus and party could be whatever you want it to be. Who would you pick up? Who are the first few people that you would pick up? And it doesn't have to be in Toronto area that you would want to talk to on that bus. I think for myself, and there are just so many fascinating people in this industry but I'd love to go and talk a bit more with Nate Brown, who's also a fellow ICMI Top 25-er, of course, CX Accelerator co-founder. 
really brilliant person. Some of the people I love interacting with, but would love to have more time with would be people like Jeremy Watkin over at Number Barn. Again, I'm picking a lot of advice in my top 25ers, but it's because a lot of interactions I have online, you know, are with them. Ben Moderam from Australia as well, another top 25 ICMI, but really a brilliant writer. I love the articles that he writes. Jenny Dempsey, who I find is just really amazing in terms of how she writes from a very humanistic point of view and really focusing on the people side of customer experience with that. So I think those are probably some of the top people. One of my close friends, Sangeeta Batnagar, who writes a lot for Contact Center Pipeline, fellow ICMI top 25er as well in Toronto. So somebody who I have met in person and do interact with a lot. But again, just really brilliant on the employee engagement and recruitment side of things. So, so those are some of the folks I'd love to go and spend more time with. Awesome. Nate and Jenny have been on the show and they're just awesome people. So I had a really good time with them. Greatest celebrity to come out of Canada. Oh, let's see. I'll say Ryan Reynolds. Okay. Always later in the news and great sense of humor. Awesome. Awesome. All right. We're coming to time on the show, but we always like to have the last question be, Mike, tell the audience what you're working on next, whether it's your next book or blog or speaking engagement. What's the next six months look like for you so people can follow you? We'll put this in the show notes as well. Okay. Well, thank you for doing that. So I, again, I'm writing more articles and also revamping some of my training courses, but the focus is still primarily on customer experience dealing with I-rates, being able to build loyalty and engagement, and also upselling. And again, as I said, upselling being it relates back to value for your customer. So it's customer-centric upselling. Awesome. Thank you so much today, Mike. We really enjoyed spending the last 20, 25 minutes with you. Mike Ioki, president of Reflective Keynotes, 2021 ICMI Top 25, author, speaker, really great guy. Mike, I really enjoyed your time today. And I don't know exactly when this is going to air for the folks at home, but just wanted to give Nice shout out to the folks that have served in the United States today is Veterans Day. So I just want to thank you for that. And Mike, thanks so much for your time again and really hope that we could talk to you again in the future. Okay, thanks, Todd. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Humans of CX, a podcast brought to you by Ozone Tell. If you enjoyed today's show, visit ozontel.com to learn more about how our robust omni-channel communications platform makes it the industry leader within the customer experience space. You can find Humans of CX on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, as well as other platforms that are featuring podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and share. Thank you so much for listening.